0: In Mark chapter 7, we're just going to read it in our Bibles or on the app. It's not going to be on the screen just yet. We're going to read 1 through 13. So, if you have a Bible in front of you, uh, feel free to grab that. Uh, We're in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 7, we're going to read 1 through 13 together. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw some of the disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they came from the, or come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches." And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, "Who do your disciples why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands?" And he said to them, when, "When did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, "This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men." then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you, may, that you have handed down, and many such things you do. This is the word of the Lord. All right, so we're in the book of Mark. We've been going through this for a season now. And um, you can see the title we're having it is, What Did Jesus Do? Not what would he do, what he think about doing, but what he actually did. I think too many times we think of what we should do instead of just doing what he told us to do. Jesus modeled the what to do. We're called to follow him. And so sometimes I just get this melancholy thought in my head and I'm not saying it's good theology, but it's something I struggle with. I don't. Know, I shouldn't say struggle with, but it's something I ask. I just like go, Eric, are you truly saved? Now, in that, and that doesn't mean I doubt my salvation, but when I look at the truths of Scripture, I have to ask myself, am I a follower of Christ, or am I like the Pharisees, or am I like the Sadducees, who will explain about in a little bit? Am I just doing traditional things because my family has done it, am I just doing this to do it, or am I all in? I know God is all in, but the question I think we have to ask ourselves, am I all in? That's a question you should be asking yourselves. Am I doing what Jesus did, doing what Jesus commanded me to do, or am I just a fan on the sideline? just watching the event. So I've got a little thing up here I want you to see. The most basic type of legalism, so we don't want to talk about legalism, but we're going to talk about it in the sense of the traps of it. The most basic type of legalism, and also the most devastating, is the belief that we can be justified in the sight of God by the obedience to the law. So. If you want legalism, and I know you, t- you don't, you probably wouldn't be here, but if you, want, if you follow in the legalism, the worst legalistic thing is that you believe that your good works are earning your place in heaven. That's the strictest, worst form of legalism. That's the first type we're just gonna look at briefly. Um, the Pharisees had that view going that you have to do all these ceremonial things, the ceremonial washings we're gonna talk about, but we just have to ask ourselves, Is there any way that you in your life are giving yourself or I'm giving myself the the nod to go to heaven because of what I do, or am I completely leaning on the good work of Jesus Christ on the cross? So, we don't want to fall into that first trap. Mark 7, 1. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem. So, we have a map up here. And it's a very simple map. You see, the bottom here is Jerusalem with a star. Up top is the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus is right now. These people came 90 miles on the metro to come see Jesus. This wasn't like a simple trip to Ocean City. This was a long walk. This was a journey that they took. They gathered, and they went into Uh, They took the time. They knew what Jesus was doing. They were aware of him, and they came to confront him. So they came and gathered together with some of the scribes who were from Jerusalem. So let's talk about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, the Sadducees aren't mentioned here, but I want to mention them so we have a good basis of understanding, because I think it's important. On one side, you have the Pharisees. We've heard that name going around. We say, hey, the Pharisees are this and that and everything. But they they focused on the law, whereas the Sadducees focused on the temple. So the the Sadducees were more priestly type. They would go into the temple. That's where they they got their groove on in a sense of where they worshiped and how they, they flowed, where the Pharisees, yes, they went to the temple, but they focused heavily on the law. The Pharisees uh, were interpreters of the Torah, the original law. So they would go and they would add hundreds of laws on top of the law that God had written. They They weren't set on just following the rules God made up. They went above and beyond and created a bunch more. The Sadducees, on the other hand, They were more Torah alone, but that had its drawbacks, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. They just sort of focused on the law, and they didn't try to interpret anything. They were very simplistic in one sense. The Pharisees were middle class. They were middle class mostly, and the Sadducees were the upper class. And in the Sanhedrin, where they both came together and they ruled, the Pharisees had less representatives, but they had more power because the middle class caste people got behind them. The Sadducees tried to control things, wanted to, to take care of everything above, over above uh, beyond, but they weren 't really inclusive of the lower people that were underneath them, almost like the groundlings of a Shakespearean theater. you know you stay down there i 'm up here. The Pharisees did believe in the resurrection of the dead. the Sadducees did not, so So The old dad joke is that um, the Sadducees are sad, you see, because they didn't believe in the resurrection. If that helps you remember anything. The Pharisees believed in afterlife. The Sadducees believed in no afterlife. The Pharisees rejected the Jewish leaders. And the Sadducees supported the Jewish leaders. So, you can't break this down perfectly. And I want to just say... We don't talk politics, but I'm going to allude to politics, and you just sort of let it go. But I'm going to to crush on both sides. I'm not not here to say anything about, but I I want you to look that the time of the Bible is not much different than the times that we're in. Back when Jesus was on this earth, the times aren't that much different. If you wanted to view the Pharisees, you could view them— as the fact that they wanted to create laws to to rule over people to make Israel great again. They were concerned about that the old Israel would be reestablished, that they would create all these rules and get everyone in line so that the way the good old days, the way it used to be, would come back. The Sadducees tended to go with the Greek Thought of the day. They, they tended to, wanted to be more um, idealistic and thinking that they could better things by trying new and different things and controlling the environment at the same time. So they warred all together. Uh, the Sadducees didn't want to go back to the old Jerusalem. The uh, Pharisees did want to bring back and control, and they both controlled in different ways. So if you look at sort of what we deal with in our culture, we have a group of culture in our culture, and it, the reason it doesn't fit perfectly is because I think our more uh, liberal group in the religious side tends to want to interpret the Bible and how that it best suits them. So it's more liberal. It's sort of like, I want to make the Bible fit into my paradigm. I don't want to walk in and fit into the paradigm of the Bible. So it becomes more of a, how can we better ourselves? How can we do this and do that? And so you see some balance there, and I'm not saying it's left-right because it doesn't fit perfectly, but you got a group that is really legalistic and creating all these rules that you have to live by, and people focus on it. And some of you fit on, there are people in this room, you fit both sides. You're more comfortable with trying to interpret and maybe make something softer that Jesus said. And I just want to say, what Jesus said is what Jesus said. We we can't soften it. We'd like to, but this is the war that was going on in Jesus' time. This is no different than now. It's like, we want control. We're going to try to control it in two different ways. And neither if you're on one side or the other, you don't like how the other side's doing it. You don't like the new way. You don't like the, the ideas and trying to Hellenize things or to make things more new and in vogue. you rather just go back to the way it was. And at the same time, maybe if you're the one who likes to keep it the way it was, maybe you're limiting what God is doing now. So the struggle was real. But what they did come together with, this is awesome, they came together to crucify Jesus. So, Polar enemies, they couldn't stand each other, but they took the time to come in the Sanhedrin and to crucify Jesus. So they came together then. Think about it in our culture. To me, if I were to, to try to extrapolate what this means in our context, there are people on both sides who don't like Jesus. Don't really like what Jesus said, don't really follow what he said. But we, we can come in and we can attend church and we can feel good. Maybe it's a traditional thing. It's just what we do. But we, we, we focus on the old. And it's a danger. And at the same time, if you try to interpret the Bible to make yourself comfortable, you get into a very bad place. A very scary place. Mark 7, 2 said, They saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. So if you remember on the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, when he fed the 5,000, they didn't have lavatory setups. They didn't have the trailer porta johns that come there. They just ate of the food, right? And so they heard about all this. They came up here and they noticed that there was, they did not ceremonially cleanse themselves. If you remember when I talk about the Seder meal, at the beginning of the Passover meal, the, the head of the home and then it goes around, washes their hands and it's a ceremonial thing that we're stating that we're ceremonially washing ourselves. Verse 3 says, For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. So Mark, I don't know if you remember this, Mark is written more for the Gentile crowd. So most of you in here, Mark is written for you because a jewish person would not need this explained mark took the time to explain that it was a tradition of the pharisees to wash their hands only in the temple was it law ceremonial law for uh, someone to go worship and wash their hands so he is writing that we would better understand the situation so let's look at another type of legalism It's the elevating of human traditions of men to the point where they are allowed to bind the consciousness of God's people where God has left them free. So we have the one legalism where we say that what I can do If I do this, then I can be saved, I can earn my salvation, I can earn my place in heaven. A lesser form is where we begin to follow traditions and put people under bondage where God has said that they're free. Churches have done that for years, let's just be honest. It's easier to control people by laws than it is to be controlled by the spirit. And that might sound wrong, but it's easier for us to do and create things to control people than it is to let them be free. And the Bible says where you are free, you are what? Free indeed. Verse 4, And they came, uh, and when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches." Now what you might not know about this is that the fair, and there were Gentiles there. And you know, and you all go to Aldi, and there's some Gentiles there, right? So if you, if you go there, you're around the unclean people, and so their tradition was that they would have to go home and not just ceremonially wash themselves, they would literally immerse themselves and take a bath. So it was a different level of cleaning. So I want you to think, I, I hear over, or undertones of discrimination. I hear undertones of I'm better than you. I hear undertones of this. And, and I just have to ask the question, are there things in your life, in your heart, that if everything were truly unveiled, that when you're around a certain type of person, a Samaritan on the road, if you would, and you spent time with them, that you would feel like you had to clean yourself. That they are lesser than you. And I'm just going to be blunt. <laughs> Sorry. When I hear people talking, about other people that look probably different than most of us in this room, I can hear underlying things of I am better than you. I'm not accusing you of this, I'm just saying it's what I've noticed, what I've observed. If, if someone isn't, um, if someone, I've actually heard the, the common thing in our town, is if someone is Hispanic, People will will say to me, they're legal or they're not legal. It'll it'll be like we're going to differentiate a life dependent on where their citizenship is. And I, I agree with laws and rules and all that stuff. I'm not getting into that. But I just have to ask, do you get around people and feel like that you're elevated, that you're better than? And I think if all of us are honest, there's been places in our lives when we do that. Maybe it's the, the clerk at Walmart we get annoyed with. Maybe it's uh, someone on the road that we're following. Maybe it's just someone that looks differently than, than us, that we make judgments. So the, the Pharisees would do that. They would go and they would make rules and they would increase the rules based on where they were. And if they went and they were around people that weren't like them, they did a complete baptism in water because a sprinkling was not enough. Verse five, and the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? So notice he says, why do your disciples, not like why do the disciples, why do you? They weren't worried about the disciples, they were worried about the head guy. Why eat with your disciples, not walk in the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands. Why is it that they break our rules is pretty much what they're saying. So so I want you to think about this. It's easier to refrain from wearing lipstick than displaying pride. Remember some of the rules? Some of you, like with some of the gray hair that I've got in here, remember some of the, the older traditional things where you couldn't, you know, ladies, you, you could only wear culottes. You, is it any one person here know what culottes are? Okay, thank you. I was just like, maybe. Uh, for you younger crowd, culottes were like a skirt that didn't have a skirt that were pant skirts. And, and you had to wear them playing basketball back in a church that I went to. Like the ladies had to wear them playing full court basketball. They were in culottes. It's the only reason I remember that word. And, and so, you know, you weren't ladies. The, the verse that was always put out is, ladies, you, need, you do not have to adorn yourself with gold and, and, and all this stuff, but by your inner beauty. But the Bible didn't say that you couldn't wear the stuff. It said what you should be on top of all that is your inward beauty that comes out. And so, you know, Christians— Put all these rules on people. Got to do this. You got to do that. It's easier to not wear lipstick and forbid it than it is to not be prideful. Pharisees didn't want to deal with the heart issue. Many of you probably here today, and I guess there's probably some. Let me just be nice about it. You'd rather have a simple thing just to go and leave and enjoy your weekend and not to have trouble you. But Jesus and his ways are narrow. It's a narrow path. It is hard, and yet it's easy. Another way to say uh, about how it is to create rules, back when I was at Liberty University, um, it was super strict then. Some of you have been there since, and it's not the same. I'm an old-school Liberty person. Uh, back when I was at Liberty, you had to wear a complete tie. Anywhere you're in school time, you had to wear a full tie. That was no, And I'd, I'd break the rules all the time with that. You couldn't go to a movie at all. Like, I used to troll the movie theater just to have fun with people and act like an RA. I'd just sit outside the movie theater, and I, you could see a Liberty person coming. You know, it's like they would be walking with this guilt, like, you know, and they'd be going in there, and I'm like, hey liberty student where are you going and they're like uh and they didn't know who i was and i just troll them and you know but it's easier to stop people from going to the movies than it is to love your enemies jesus said love your enemies right it's easier to create rules and focus on them than it is to do the hard work of the gospel i'm not getting any argument of the movies because there's some movies y'all shouldn't be watching probably some movies i should be watching but it's a lot harder for me to love my enemies consistently than it is to worry about a movie. Where are you with that? Do you focus more on the simple things to make yourself look good? Do we do that as a, as a human beings? Or do you go and you say, Jesus, what, is, what are you really asking from me? That is the hard question. It's easy to obey some simple ceremonial rules, but to do the hard things... Is tough, So I want you to look at this next thing The goodness of a deed Depends not solely on its doing But primarily on its intent It has been said And I tend to agree with it There is no unselfish act All of us tend to do things With even a sliver of selfishness in it That people will recognize that Hey I'm a pretty good guy for doing it And it's a wrestle within the heart of that But here it's like it's doesn't it's the goodness of a deed does not solely depend on its doing but primarily on its intent so in essence if you do things just so that you can look good it's not a good deed it's just something done surface level it's like lipstick on a pig it's a great picture and then i should have just thrown a picture up there with that but i lost half of you um So in Mark 7 6, it continues, and he said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So you see the part where it says, This people honors me with their lips but their hearts are far from me. The lips are on the outside. The lips are what you show in the public, the, you know, the reputation that you have, how good that you're doing it, you know, when you go to your neighbor and you do things right. And some of these might be on perfectly good motives and terms, that's great. But a lot of times, people will do things and they will do them with this outward work where God, it says, he looks on the heart. When he calls them hypocrites, he is referring to something in the Greek tradition. I want you to look here. It literally means to be two-faced. So it was said that the actors in a play in the in the Greek era that they were in that they were two-faced. They couldn't see the person underneath so that they would wear masks. This was their theater of the day. So he says, you hypocrites, it was just like the Pharisees. You've got lipstick on the pig, but I can see your heart. I want to say this morning if you are here and you've been wearing a mask all your life, and maybe you're just trying to keep up the image and work really hard at it, post the right things on Facebook, call the right people, but inside you're empty, inside Jesus is saying, I have come to free you of that burden. If you're walking with him today, you should just be encouraged that Jesus has freed you from the burden of doing a show for him, of being a Pharisee and walking in with all the the pleasantries and and the crowd parting from you and, and walking with all this. He has freed you from all that. You don't have to act. You don't have to put on. You can have bad days. You can struggle well, but you need to follow Jesus in doing it. That's good news. Verse 13, or excuse me, Matthew 23 13 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Those are hard words. When we are wearing our mask, we can get in the way, we can be so hypocritical that it's just stop people from seeing Jesus at all. If we're just playing the game, if we're just, just going along for the image. Bible he is here is written, Jesus has sent, he gave his life and sent his spirit so you can be freed from that. Verse seven, in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I just want to just throw in here one of the biggest challenges of parenting is not being a legalist it's one of the biggest it's for me it's one of the biggest challenges it is far easy to parent running rules around and doing the stuff than it is to seek god's spirit and him to move in certain situations Here it says, they vainly worship me. They come into the sanctuary with their mask on. Teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. I've created this rule, therefore you must abide by it. As a part for this is what God said. Let's go and do it. And that word vain means purposeless. 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 They purposelessly worship me. I just have to ask the hard question. Are you in here this morning? In vain worshiping God. Big smile on your face. Everything's great but I'm going to go do my thing when I leave here. I've checked my box. Because if you're wearing that mask and you're in vain worshiping him, you are no different than the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and that is not a good ending. Verse 8, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold the tradition of men. Um, Legalism, commandments by men. Legalism is a subtle form of adultery. When, excuse me, not adultery, idolatry. (laughs) On Twitter now. (laughs) It's a subtle form of idolatry. When we begin to do things and create our own traditions and rules, We become idolaters to the God and therefore begin breaking the commandments, the Ten Commandments left and right. Verse 9 says, and he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Man, Jesus is just, he's just hammering at them. Can you imagine these people came 90 miles and Jesus just starts exposing their heart and there may be a few of you in here, mask is on, You've, you like the rules, they're in place, you just want to do this thing and separate yourself from that. You want this or you want that, but you don't want to follow the narrow path. You just want to be subtle Christian, casual Christian, couch pew Christian, just abiding a little bit and then just go about your merry way when that's not what Jesus said. He says you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God. This is him, not me. Losing my voice and all, but this is what Jesus is saying. Verse 10. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles your father or your mother must certainly die. That's okay. We know that, right? Honor your father and mother. It's one of the Ten Commandments. Okay, so where is he going with that? Verse 11. But you say, speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is given from God, and I'm just going to read on a little further. Then you will no longer permit him to do anything for his father and mother. Corbin. It's not Corbin Parkway. It's not, not the housing development down the road. Corbin means literally this. They would make loopholes to God's law. They would sort of go, well, God, you said to tithe, and I'm going to contextualize this for us. God, you said to tithe, but you know what? Um, I really don't have the money right now, and so I'm just going to say this and make it work out like this because I just think that's probably okay with you way they did it is they were called to honor their father and mother. In that tradition, they would take care of, and it's a good tradition, mom and dad. But the Pharisees got so bad with it that they created a tax loophole. And it literally was this. I am going to dedicate all of my wealth to God. However if mom and dad was sick and down and out they would go sorry all that i have is god's i cannot help you out and we would just go well that's ridiculous how could they do that and i just got to say all of us do it in varying ways a lot of times not saying all the time but a lot of times verse 13 thus making void the word of god by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do we create our own rules god says to do this we go well did he did god really say who does that sound like so let me ask you a question this is i'm literally going to ask you a question what are ways let's make it easy that people within the American church maybe anyone have any thoughts what are some ways that we, we do things the way we want to do instead of doing them God's way yes I'm sorry saying I was born that way okay well this is just the way I am I just always struggle with this, so it's just it is what it is. You know, I've always been sort of tight financially, so I don't want to give anything. You know, because it's just the way I was. My dad was like that. And my grandparents were like that. It's the way I was. Yes, sir. One thing I struggle with is going over the speed limit. Keeping the speed limit. Well, that's okay. Uh-huh. No, <laughs> just kidding. It's a new heart thing. Someone else. What are ways? Call, it tradition. call something tradition. Call something tradition. Yeah, we make our owns up, right? Well, this is just our tradition. We're going to live by it. Yes? Okay, yeah. Some people will say getting, taking communion is just sort of a renewal of an insurance plan, right? Instead of just following faithfully the Lord. Yes? Okay. Yeah, so it's like, did God call us to tithe on what we have after everything's left or the first fruits is what the Bible talks about. Yes. Someone else over here? Yes? Forgiving people maybe just the basic forgiveness. The basic forgiveness of people. Well, I'm not I'm not called to forgive them. They've got to come apologize to me. Jesus said, Love your enemies. Forgive them. You're supposed to forgive. Seventy times seven, forgive 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 and again whenever i say this i don't mean you stay in a relationship that's brutal just because you're called to forgive i just always feel like i need to say that because some people hear the wrong message but we're called to forgive in our hearts how about discipleship i'm not going to ask but this is, i'm going to ask this first question did god call us to go and make disciples yes. okay so without any nodding or affirming or anything I just want you to ask yourself the question: Are you making disciples? That's the Great Commission. Jesus said, "Go do it." And then it's like, "Oh well, not too comfortable with that. Don't have my degree from wherever, and well, you know, I'm busy. Yeah, you know, I'm doing this, and and so what do we do? We create our own escape routes." We make rules to justify our sinfulness. It's a scary place to be. This is where they were. Oh, do you have another one? Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So look at this next quote. Next. <clears throat> Jesus is the revealer of God, for Jesus can produce the inner transformation that the law requires, but cannot effect. The Jewish people, or the the Pharisees and the Sadducees were creating laws, rules, doing this to control the people. They wanted this inner transformation. They wanted, they were zealous. They were not, it's not like they were faking their dogmatic approach, but they were completely wrong. They were zealots for the cause. They did work. I think I said it last week or week before, the Jehovah Witnesses that are out on the street are doing work. They're doing the wrong work, but they're doing work where we can sit comfortably and just create our own excuses for not doing things that God very clearly said. Husbands love your wives. Oh. Wives love your husbands. Honor them. Whatever. Oh. But you don't know my husband. Yeah, I know me. We all tend to give human traditions more weight than scripture. So what did Jesus do? How do we make our mark like Jesus? If you're tired of wearing a mask, if you're tired of pulling together, literally, the first thing I would tell you to do is find someone you trust and pray with them. Just confess it to somebody. Confess it to God, yes, but you need someone along the journey to walk with you through that struggle. You need accountability. Until I had accountability in my life, I could, I could reword my thoughts and emotions to justify my every act and doing. I could convince myself of what I want. Does anyone else struggle with that? You see, I here, you know, I can do this, and no one's watching me. And you think like I can think like that. No one really knows what I'm doing, and then we just we forget that God is there, that He's watching. This morning, all I can offer you is not a bunch of rules, not a bunch of laws, but I can offer you the fulfillment of His laws, and that is in the personhood of Jesus Christ. He's saying that He is willing to free you. If you're a Christian, he is willing to break the chains that you've gone back and put on yourselves and feel like you're in bondage, but you're in self-bondage. We need other people to walk through this journey together. So find Jesus, whether you've not known him the first time or need to just repent of stuff, and also find someone else to come alongside of you and that will ask you the hard questions and that will steer you on the right path. Would you stand as we go to pray and come to communion, please? Communion is an opportunity to remember what Jesus did. It's an opportunity to confess your sins. It's an opportunity to make things right before the cross. But know this, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're already forgiven. You're already loved. You're just stepping back into a right relationship with Him so that you can experience that freedom. Communion is also a time to neglect coming if you have a relationship that you have not made right. I'm not saying if someone else is upset with you necessarily, but I'm saying if you have neglected to forgive and have neglected to dealt with, forego communion. Go and do what God has called you to do and next time come back. It's also a time to give back if you're a regular tender. Lord, uh, we thank you for Jesus. Lord, I didn't. Um, it's just true, I should say, for me that there are some of these things that he says to do, and I just look and I see cracks in my boat on the water. I see holes forming. And Lord, I am not good enough or strong enough to plug all those holes, but you are. So Lord, we just depend on you as a church this morning. We lean on you. We beg that you would change our hearts. Lord, that you would make us more like Jesus. Lord, that we would do the work that Jesus did, thereby fulfilling your commission to us. Lord, may we be a church that fulfills your commission. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.